Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. This is episode number 428 with Gary Salyer, feeling safe to love during COVID-19 and beyond. Hi, everybody. I'm Sandy Weiner, and welcome back to Last First State Radio, where we believe that a woman of value naturally attracts the respect and rewards she deserves in life and love. And speaking of woman of value, I hope you checked out my new book. It's available now on Amazon and Kindle and paperback, and it's called Becoming a Woman of Value, How to Thrive in Life and Love. And it's filled with 30 tips and exercises to help you step more fully into your value. It's divided into three sections, show up, stand up, and speak up. And every week I bring you a tip from the book. This week's tip is practice saying no. It is so hard for so many of us to say no. We say yes when we mean no. And so if you really are meaning yes and you're saying no, my challenge to you is to take a breath, take a pause before answering anybody and saying yes or no, and really checking in with yourself and seeing like what do I really want to say here? Do I want to say yes? Do I want to say no? Because it's a lot harder to take back your yes than it is to take a breath and pause before saying yes or no. And before I bring Gary on, I just wanted to uh, let anybody know who's not yet a member of my Facebook group. It's called Your Last First Date, and it is a really wonderful place of support for women over 40 who want a a place of positive support. This is not a place where you can just rant and talk about how awful everything is because that doesn't really get you where you wanna be, which is your last first date. So join us there. It's, it's really, I have to say, I've been part of other groups and I have seven monitors who monitor this group every single day. So you know that we are keeping to guidelines to keep you safe, to be able to really grow on your journey to your last first date. And now for my guest, Dr. Gary Salyer. He is a return guest. He's a transformational relationship mentor, and he helps singles and couples rewrite the rules for love in their brains so that they can create a love that lasts. He's the author of a wonderful book called Safe to Love Again, How to Release the Pain of Past Relationships and Create the Love you deserve. Welcome back, Gary. Thank you, Sandy. And I didn't know you had a new book out. That looks great. I'm, I'm, I am going to go out and order it on Amazon because uh, value and worthy are in the same ballpark and I love it. Uh, thank you. Well, let's talk about your book. Uh, I loved our last interview and it's, it's really about a topic that is near and dear to my heart. I think we both take a strong stand for people owning their worth and really getting unlocked in this place where they've been confused about love and why it's been a failure um, for so many, why they just keep not being able to have the love they want. So tell us a little bit about why you wrote this book and what's in it. Well, I, I wrote the book you know, from my own pilgrimage, you know, um, seven years old, growing up in a dysfunctional family. When I went to college, said, oh, my God, I'm never going to get a divorce, double major in, in psychology and religion. Then my senior year, a psychology professor says, why don't you come in and take this personality test? A few days later, he scores it and he tells me all the results. I guess I have a personality and then as I'm walking in, he says, oh, my God. He says, I've got to tell you something. He says, you have a 90% chance of having a divorce. 
And gosh, I mean, that landed like a, like, you know, grenades. So I went and got another degree in marriage and family. And, you know, I think 12 years later, I've got divorced. And then I do like seven years of therapy and, and I get remarried. And next thing you know, four years later, I'm having a divorce. And after I realized I kept picking and choosing and creating and relating in the same ways, that I had gotten really good at managing my pain, but not at essentially changing things. And I just made it the holy grail of my life to say, how do I have the same thing that my two best friends were married 40 years? How do I have these great relationships that last? And I said, if that's the last thing I do, I'm going to crack that code. How do we get back? And that's what's underneath it. And, and just lots of clients telling me, you know, you know, how do we get our way back? And when we started changing their, their, their attachment system, uh, so many of them said, you've got to put this in a book, Gary. <laughs> you know, so with that in the background and clients telling me, you know, I feel so much more worthy I feel so much more empowered and they go out and create relationships they've never created before. I realized I had the book. I had to write the book. Mm, I love the whole empowerment yeah. and worth and in just, you know, your realization that you can actually change the blueprint that you grew up with. And I think a lot of people feel we, they have this like fixed way of looking at life and, well, I grew up this way. This is the way it is. Right. Yeah. Um, Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that belief is out there that, you, you know, you're once you have an attachment style, it's really not that changeable. Right. Uh, I had one person at a party who read the, uh, one of the big books in attachment theory. And he said, he said, I, I could only read halfway through. He says once I found out I was avoiding, I thought I had this huge sign over my head that said, screw. <laughs> and he said, I and I there were like 20 people at that party, believe it or not. I had read that book, big one, and they all had the same feeling. Told me what I am, but they didn't tell me how to get back. Yeah. And then that was another one of those moments. Oh, we need to tell people how to, how, what's the road back to secure us? How do they get back to the home port in their own heart so they can find the home port in somebody else? And it was just little moments like that along the way that said, you know, there's more possible than what people know. I've even had a therapist tell me after fifth, after working with me at the fifth session, she says, my God, you've changed my attachment style. I was told you couldn't do this. So it's doable change. Yes, it's deep work, but you don't have to be stuck being anxious or avoidant. And both of those, by the way, your brain didn't decide to mess with you. It decided to, to, that to take the best deal available. So there's nothing wrong but we're, we're, how do you give it a better deal? That's the key. You know, when you watch it from a therapist or a coach's viewpoint and you can see these, you know, people repeat patterns, repeat patterns, and then they think there is no way out. And it's so easy to see, like even when you choose a different partner, you think you're doing better. You think, yeah. you think you've cracked the code like you did, like, oh, I'm never going to get divorced. I set out to divorce proof my life too. My, my parents were divorced and I said, I'm not going to repeat what they did. Then I went ahead and got divorced. So I get it, you know, and it's why I chose to do this work. It, it was really to find out how. The what is important, but the how is so important because just knowing how you got here 
great information, but then what, right? So you're helping people get to that next step. It is. And I think how is a better question to ask? A lot of people will ask, them, why did I do this? Well, you know, mom, dad, previous ex. But how is the more important question? Why is interesting, but it can also be the dog wagging its tail. Mm -hmm. How is my brain creating this experience that repeats? That's the life-changing question. How is my brain? If we can change how, the why don't matter that much. Right. So can you share an example of uh, like a, maybe a client story of somebody who went from avoidant or anxious to more secure attachment? Sure. Uh, I can, you know, I discussed it in the book. We'll talk about Gwen. She was like, and, you know, she had been given a feeling of unworthy from the time that she was very young. Okay. Uh, mom was a little bit on the narcissist side. So she always had, it says, oh, I'm always giving her the message. Oh, it's not about your needs, honey. And, you know, for, to two, for a two or three year old, I mean, it is about their needs. Right. And she got that feeling. And, and she came to me wondering why she kept choosing married men. She was so exasperated because married men can't meet all your needs, <laughs> right? And she goes, it's like my picker has it in for me. But when it came down you know, to it, she had this feeling she had to pay for love. One way, give, give, give. And that came from a day when her, her father, after her mother and father divorced, they were out. And she asked for an ice cream cone. I think she was around nine. And he pulled out a bunch of a lot of money, a hundred dollar bill says, this is what you cost me every month. So she got the feeling I, I have to give, but I cannot take. And the moment we reset that, right, that it's okay, she's worthy to receive, and right, where she wasn't before, suddenly her brain stopped picking people who couldn't give her, <laughs> married men. And suddenly, I, and actually her health got better and everything. She started taking in more nutrients. Her body had a thing with being anemic um, as well, which I did mention in the book. And that's, a, I mean, she was always fine. She goes, I don't know how to find these men. She goes, I'm consciously, and then I think, you know, something's up. And sure enough, her picker had it so set. I'll just only pick married men. And afterwards, that wasn't the case anymore. That's the power of feeling deserving. And it's also the power of feeling undeserving. And if you can swatch undeserving for what I call a right to have your needs met, where you feel worthy, the brain just picks better. Worthy people don't choose takers. <laughs> That's the, and unworthy people choose takers or unworthy won't won't receive. So it's the feeling and this, what I talk about a right, and the feeling gives you a right to give and receive, and to take fully in. That's a wonderful story. And, and yeah. it's, it is so difficult for people to ask. I, I see it all the time. It's, it's, I think that when your programming is when I ask, I don't receive, so it's not safe to ask. And knowing, first of all, that we often ask the wrong people yeah. and we also often ask in the wrong way. And so it's, it's learning both, I think, to recognize the people who would be willing and happy to give you. In fact, if you tell them, I would love this from you, 
they are so happy you've given them the option to give like the the it's a gift to give you know and i i, I think that a lot of people don't realize that they're taking away something by never asking yes and receiving is just as much as uh, uh, important as asking being able to take in a lot of times people give 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 and even if the other person tries they won't take in that's yeah. the more stringent i once had two psychologists i was working with and he said to me what do you do when your wife thinks she has no needs she goes i he goes i try to give she just won't take <laughs> and that was just as frustrating you know yeah it's yeah, she and she gave, but she wouldn't take. And it's important I think to do both. I agree with you. And I think people don't realize what it feels like to be on the other end of being told, no, I can't take from you. I, I think that we have to let people know, like when you refuse my gift or my desire to give to you, this is how it affects me. I don't think we're we're so good at communicating those things. And I think when we do, we create more intimacy, we create more connection, more vulnerability. What do you think? Oh, I think so. And there's a, a real good reason. I mean, it comes from the great apes, the great apes. Well, you know, we all have a monkey mind and they are real interested in being fair and equivalent, right? Balanced giving and taking. They've done experiments where if you give if you're, you're giving these two monkeys a treat and you can give them both grapes and the grapes and they're both happy. But if one sees that you gave them a carrot and the other one got a grape, oh man, they, they refuse to take, they'll throw it at you. But the point being is we have this thing where we know it's supposed to be balanced and the other person who can't give back starts feeling guilty and it's rude to give and not receive because it makes your partner feel guilty. Nobody wants to be made to feel guilty, <laughs> you know? And so if you step inside, that's how you honor that they love you, right? And you, that gets into another right I talk about in the book, that is a right to love and be loved right back. It goes both ways. You have to love and be loved back. It's back and forth. It's an energetic exchange that hopefully you, I, you know, if I give to you, then you take, and then you give back to me, and I fully take, and then I give back to you just a little bit more, just a tiny bit more, and you take that in, and then you give me that back, and just a little bit more, and that way love spirals up. Mm. Yeah, I love, I love your, your human rights, the basic rights. Like, I think people just don't realize that they have the right to love and be loved, you know, it's it's like I can love you, but then why why am I so used? Why you know why did that person take advantage of me? And that was so eye opening to me too in my personal growth journey was to realize that people don't take advantage of you unless you let them. And it, when you realize that it's a right to take a stand for what's important to you, and it is you know that 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 changes everything. We are, what, what I have noticed in my own work, and I try to say this, we are all having the experience that we were given the rights for. And we should back it up and say what these rights are. I argue in the book that between zero and three, our brain gets these six templates for creating experience. I call, you could call them permission slips, you could call them rights. I like rights, you know, because we're born with a right. So the first one is 
a right to exist, that it's good being here on earth and we can be in our bodies fully and that we can be connected head and body and it's and the world is a comfy oyster you feel comfortable like einstein used to say the most important decision you will ever make is whether the universe is hostile or friendly well i hate saying it but that was kind of determined in the first two months about whether you were welcomed with joy or not but you have to have a right to exist so you can fully connect with all of you so you can fully connect with somebody else then a right to have your needs met where you feel you know welcomed uh, not only welcome, but worthy and nourished. Where you reach out, it's okay to ask and to, to pair up with someone who tracks your needs and wants to give them to you, right? Then there's what I call a right to separate and belong. When the toddler gets up and running, they want to know, they want to go out and do me. They want to go out and play with their toys, but they want to make sure that mom and dad are looking over them. If you've ever seen a child play and you leave the room and they get all upset, they want to know they still belong. So, and it's the right to have a we, the right to be able to go out and explore your world as an, as an adult and then come back to the home port of somebody's heart, the right to be properly partnered. You know, that feeling is cherished and protected. Then there's uh, a right to create your own experience. Not that somebody else gets to be the standard, but you get to create your own experience and then a right to assert, which you get to have a say. And those two allow us to feel empowered. We get, and that allows us to pair up with someone who shares influence with us, right? And then if those five rights are given to us early on in life, then the sixth right is a right to love and be loved right back. So these rights all have predictable patterns that play out in adult relationships. And if we don't have a right to have our needs met, then we find somebody that will be, you know, be a taker or we won't take. If we don't have a right to create our experience, we'll complain about the relationship that we've, we paired up with a dominator or we'll lose ourselves in a relationship and then be afraid of ourselves. <laughs> so these rights are the core essence. If you have all six rights, you can be securely attached. Anything less than all six, your brain opts for anxious. Oh my God, how do I lock this down? You know, when are you going to leave me or avoid it? Oh, I better not depend on it. You don't know about love and partnership. So, but if you restore those feelings and those rights, the brain will naturally opt to pick and choose and create and maintain in a secure way so that love thrives. It's so clear. And, you know, many people define what healthy relationships look like and what secure attachment looks like. But I really love the way that you have created these rights. To me, it was, it just really resonated. So I know that my audience will also hopefully really find value in this because I think that the message is that we can change our future, our legacy. It doesn't have to be that you were born this way. And so that's, that's, that's the way it is. Exactly. I mean, these are all, any missing right is actually an old security call protocol that has just has never given an expiration date. For instance, even though I had all those nice little degrees, what I when I grew up with a borderline mother, you know, it was way better to be separate up in my room playing by myself than to be part of the quote unquote we down in that kitchen where you could meet Mr. Wall in a hurry, <laughs> right? And a bigger hurry than you would like, you know, or the paw would come out of nowhere. 
right? For no good reason. So separating and being by myself up in my room felt safe. Now, I didn't get it. Now, that's the permission, right? All right to separate, no right to truly belong. I didn't get it in my first marriage where she would say to me, I feel lonely in this marriage. And I would say, I was working on my PhD, saying, well, I'm up, I'm in the house, honey. <laughs> and more right to separate than to come down and truly belong. So even though I had these degrees, no one changed the feeling that I had no right to be cherished and protected in a we. I had to do it by being alone. And when I ran that pattern in my first marriage, all degrees aside, nothing changed because the feeling and the right never changed. Right. Yeah. And just to for anybody listening, if you have saved yourself by taking yourself to your room to protect yourself from a dangerous situation or a chaotic situation, which so many of us have grown up in, then give yourself a lot of credit because you learned how to survive, but you didn't learn how to thrive. You didn't learn how to connect in relationship because of all the protective mechanisms that were in place. Exactly. You know, my mother, you know, was actually violent. That was the absolute best deal available. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just giving it a better deal. So don't make any part of your brain wrong. No brain gets up in the morning and says, how can I screw with my master? <laughs> it's <laughs> no brain does that. And what what we do know, though, though, is if we find the exact flavor of safety your brain was seeking back then and we can tie the new right to that flavor of safety, your brain will gladly take it. Gladly, you know, so this is doable change. You can restore these rights. You can have a brain that says, I have a full right to love and be loved instead of to always love more than I'm loved back. Or I have a full right to create my own experience and somebody wants to protect my dreams, not destroy them. And there are people out there that, that want to give you that. You, it's the job of making sure that your brain has the rights to pick the person and then to create and maintain. And if you run these feelings, I, I work with both singles and couples, you know, when couples get these four feelings up and they give it back and forth, suddenly the whole relationship changed. Totally can imagine that. Well, let's go to the topic of the day because we've established, you know, what are the rights, the human rights and how we can change it. But now we got COVID. We, we're taping this during COVID-19 where everything has shifted. So, you know, we have isolation, we have social distancing. What do you see as the most difficult dating and relationship challenges that have been created by the pandemic? Well, you know, the one I thought about was when my <coughs> my son called me today, Gavin Newsom, governor of California, said, <coughs> you're all, you know, let's lock down. And my son calls me and says, how's it feel to be grounded, dad? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, it's been a while <laughs> since I've been grounded, you know. And I thought for two hours and I thought this virus is going to play havoc with the right to separate and belong. We're meant to, it's like breathing. We expand and we go out and we get to be a me and we get to come in to the home port. We go out and connect, but we, get, we have a right to belong and separate. For singles, all of a sudden there's no right to belong. It splits it right down the path. All right to separate, to be sheltering in place, but nobody there. And the big common complaint is, oh my God, how do I even date? Can I find somebody? Do I need to put all my, my 
my, my dreams for love on a shelf, right? The opposite is exactly the truth. For couples, you don't want to be together all the time. Too much of a good thing is too much of a good thing. The, the heart and soul of a, of a good relationship is the right to separate, have me time, go out, explore your dreams and come back like breathing. Now, all of a sudden, you're under each other's feet 24 hours. You're soldering in place. You're working. And now your home is now your work. And now you've got the homeschool. No wonder couples feel so overloaded in the divorce rate. Is up. And, if, and the problem was, if, there was, if they were managing their issues with you know, distractions, now they can't be distracted anymore. And so what I see is this beautiful right to separate and belong, to feel cherished and protected. You know, you're going to have to look a long ways in this society during COVID to find cherished and protected. You know, think about it. When people don't wear a mask, what are they complaining about? Oh my God, I don't feel cherished and protected. You know, that's the deal. And so I think the biggest thing this is affecting is it's... It's, and that right is at the heart of the ability to be paired up, to really feel connected. And uh, it's messing with our connection big time. I totally see that. And I, I'm actually out there dating. And so one of the things that I have found is in the beginning, I didn't meet anybody in person. It was all Zoom dates, phone calls, which to me were, they were helpful in the dating sphere, like to meet somebody in person, I had some questions, you know, how are you social distancing? How are you observing, you know, any of the COVID restrictions? Or do you care about that? Is that important to you? Are you out doing things that could put you in danger, which could put me in danger? And then also to be clear about my boundaries around COVID. I don't, I'm not going to hug you. I'm not going to hold your hand. I'm not going to kiss you. Like, Seriously, be clear, because again, the, the right to be safe and cherished is important. And so putting it out there, I have found has been really helpful. Uh, some people are not compliant, and that's fine. And those are people you don't want to meet. So do you have any other tips for people who are actually getting out there and meeting? Because in the beginning, it was like total quarantine. Then it started to open. It's closing back up. <laughs> We're kind of like all over the place. But everybody's got different ways of looking at it. So I'm wondering if you have any other ideas about how to actually get together. And because there are people who are hooking up and, you know, having yes. physical relationships. Yes. Well, you're hinting at something the way you're talking about the way you're dating. There's two things I say essentially to, to, to singles. The right to separate and belong in a couple is the right to have a we, not just you know, two me's, but a we. Show me a couple without a we and I'll show you a war. There has to be a we. Now, they all, and all successful couples have what's, what Stan Tapkin calls a couple bubble. Now, for singles at this time, yes, there's a lot of danger. You have to create what I call a preliminary couple bubble. It's not the couple bubble that comes from, you know, commitment, but it's a commitment to, you know, like, like Linda the Good Witch, to wave your wand and to say, we're going to create a space so that it is totally safe physiologically for each other. 
You have to be. So you get to know each other, hear the patterns, get to know enough to see if what they're saying, you can trust them. This is all about trust. And then the both of you say, okay, we're going to quarantine for two weeks or, you know, and, and he may say, you know, in order to make you feel safe, I will give up my poker game on Thursday nights, <clears throat> or I, you know, or agree not to go out to the gym. And she may say, well, you know, I'm not going to do bridge or, or whatever she's doing, right? All right. Or, and they both create a clean space they can explore. I had one of my clients who did that and they went out for about seven dates and they were able to hold hands, they were to kiss. But after about seven or eight dates, she realized for really good reasons that it wasn't quite right. So it doesn't mean it's the, the same couple bubble as a couple, but you have to be able. And this is a good thing because what it's really doing is the gift behind this is I say in the book that in addition to these four feelings you want to be tracking and these rights, you want to be able to see how, what are the signs of the we? Are they able of creating the we? And you're going to get it right off the bat. <laughs> what sort of partnership are they able to create that feels safe? So I think that's one of the gifts. And then the other one is, you know, we got used to swiping left, swipe left, swipe left. And, you know, relationships were a dime a dozen. But now you've got to get to know each other. Can I trust them? And I've said for years, stop swiping left and start swiping down. Get to know somebody. Go deep. And now people are actually valuing and doing more Skype and Zoom dates. And I think the other thing is, there are people out there who want relationships, It's but you're going to have to choose to get to know more individuals versus just scanning the world for, oh, uh, wonder what's better out there. And that's not good for long. I think this is a real invitation to allow people to show up and to get to know each other. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I teach a whole course on dating during the pandemic. So it's uh, I definitely saw a need for this and I've taught it four times already and I'm going to launch it again. Mm -hmm. But it's um, a lot of what I teach is about how to create a more intimate connection faster by asking the right questions, by being curious and going deeper sooner. There, it's, it's amazing to me how many couples never discuss really important things for a year. And then they're shocked by the answer. That's <laughs> like, just have the courage to just ask the questions, find out, are we on the same page? Do we have the same values? You know, what were you like as a child? I mean, so many things that we can learn. So let's talk about that. There are people who are going, you know, so you're basically saying quality over quantity. Stop like, exactly. you know, talking to 6,000 people or swiping a million people left, right. So we're doing more Zoom dates, more FaceTime, Skype, whatever uh, dates. How can they make the best of these dates? Well, first, of all, I, there's one thing that I noticed in one of my clients, they were doing, they get on Zoom, and they were both so hungry for intimacy, they had these four and five hour marathon Zoom dates, and a false sense of intimacy mm -hmm. and connection is, and it would give them false positives, <laughs> so to speak. This is, you know, don't, first off, half hour, 45 minutes, good enough. First day can be 15, 20, right? And so far, you know, it's about, a, you know, spread it out three or four times a week, get to know each other a half hour at a time, you know, find out what their day is like. And the, if you're out there, you know, especially if you're a guy listening, you want to get interested in her day, 
how's her day like? Get a feel. And I do mean feel. Ask her, how do you feel? And when she asked you back, don't say, well, I feel that, uh, you know, it was a good day. You say, no, I felt, I felt a little, you know, frustrated today. Give them a feeling word. No feel that's, <laughs> you know. And I'm so glad you said that because most people, that's how they answer. How did you feel? I thought that he was wrong. No, that's not a feeling. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's an observation. It's a judgment. It's a lot of other things. And I, when I'm dealing with couples, I have to teach most husbands. I said, so your 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 you know your wife as a female scans the word emotionally all the time. That's why she's got emotional processes on both the sides of the brain, and you only have it on one. That means her her radar for life is set to scan for emotions. So if you don't ping her back with an emotion, a real emotion. Then it's like, you know, it's like imagine that, you know, the, the, the air traffic controller is tracking all these planes. If one goes off the screen, they get real worried that that thing doesn't ping them back. And when you don't ping back your mate, you know, uh, emotionally, they have no idea where you're at. It's less like the air traffic controller saying, where did Delta 478 go? <laughs> and now they're worried who's going to be landing on runway 16. And with all these feelings during COVID, we have to, there's so many big feelings out there. They're going to be feelings. It's, it's an emotional echo chamber, so to speak. And what I tell couples is you've got to make every feeling absolutely safe and it's okay, whatever the feeling is. And that's the first rule. So if you're dating, then make sure that you're connecting emotionally with each other because everybody is carrying on a baggage uh, of all sorts of extra emotions and it's natural. Why shouldn't we feel that? So connect emotionally and then you get a much better flavor. And you know, if you're a couple and you're hearing this, then and the only one person can freak out at a time. <laughs> you know, yeah, but get in touch emotionally. You'll, and then you'll find out what's the flavor of human being you're with because it's all feelings anyway. I mean, that's what I said in my book, four feelings determine these, these permission slips. Welcomed with joy, worthy and nourished, cherished and protected and empowered with choice. So if you're on these dates, these Zoom dates, you can still track those four feelings. How welcomed do you feel? How worthy? Are they asking about your day? You know, cherished. You know, like we talked before, and empowered. If you feel those, you you, you know, uh, and you can give those, you're pretty good. But if they get on and you know, and you know, they always want to have a, a, the, the the screen black on Zoom or something, or it's all dark so you can't see them. How welcome do you feel? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, just go with your guts. If the four feelings track the feelings, and that's the key to knowing whether somebody is Mr. and Ms. Wright. Great advice. I uh, I was on a, a first phone call recently where the guy ended up calling me at the end of my window. So we had like mm -hmm. 10 minutes. So I'm like, okay, 10 minutes is enough for me. And um, he spent almost the whole time talking about himself. And mm -hmm. he asked me uh, about growing up in Atlanta because that was on my profile. And he, he goes, oh, so you grew up in Atlanta. Um, I have cousins in Atlanta. And he started telling me all these things. And I was like, 
It's so irrelevant to the conversation. I left when I was eight. He never learned that because he didn't ask me how long I lived there. And, you know, I don't know your cousins. I don't care about your cousins. I don't know you. Why would I want to know about your cousins? And it just, the conversation was so disconnected. And we often do that. How did you feel inside? Oh, I felt like, (laughs) I felt disconnected. I felt just totally isolated. Um, you know, it just it just felt terrible to be on the phone with somebody who was not connecting. And I'm I'm a connector. You know, it's funny. I, I call that being on self. There's like three, you know, versus switching into the other person. I mm-hmm. when people on self, you'll hear them say, Oh yeah, you know, you could say, Man, I, I had this really cool stuff. I ran the Boston Marathon. Oh yeah, Boston, I had clam chowder there. It's they turn <laughs> only understand on their map. This is not somebody you want. To pair with you want yeah. someone that can what i call switch in to you get a hit of you pure and unadulterated get out of self switch into you and then they can come into this place that's in between self and switch it's called i call it shift it's where they can shift backwards and forwards between self all the you know and all oh, this is what they're feeling and that's a lot different and if you yeah. so you're looking for switchers definitely looking for switchers and they're not so easy to find uh, yeah. so many people just haven't done any internal work and are just very stuck and i wish you know for all of them to listen to this episode uh let's talk about um the dating scene after the pandemic because we, we're going through this we don't know when it's going to end but what do you think it's going to look like you know at the, the new normal so to speak. The new normal. You know, I, I, I don't think everything's going to reset and maybe, the, and I think there'll be some ways there will be losses, but maybe there was a book I read years ago by Judith Theorst called Necessary Losses. That sometimes we get losses that are kind of necessary because it moves us beyond. I have, you know, I mean, dating coaches have all talked, you know, Barry Schwartz, the paradox of choice. The more choices we add, they, they did research, the more choices you give somebody, the less happy they are with their choices because there's always that stinking suspicion. Gosh, he's a 6'2". I could have had 6'3". <laughs> Maybe, you know, and stuff like that, right? The fear of missing out. Uh, I once talked with a matchmaker who had a, uh, uh, you know, uh, an elite matchmaker for couples. And what he found out was when he gave six options to somebody, they were hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, but, but it six didn't seem cherished and they didn't quite take it seriously. They stopped giving six and they started giving two. And now suddenly two is very precious. And now they take it seriously and they really hone in on these two choices, getting to know them. I believe that the way COVID has paired off uh, has shown swipe left to be what it really is, an empty dopamine rush constructed by programmers to get the next click on their app. It's not about finding love, it's about them getting clicks. And swipe left, I think, will go away. I think some of it will come back, but I think people are gonna get a hit of what it's like to go deeper. That the point is getting to know some people. Better to get to know two or three people than to keep swiping left endlessly. And if you're a man out there, uh, you really need to use that because you know there's always that visual dopamine that's even more for a man. Oh my God, there might be somebody cuter out there or something, right? But you know, real love 
is about finding an essence to that person that you can't find elsewhere. And they did studies on this with attachment where they gave little child, children had attachment objects, you know, like the little bears and blankets that are, you, you, they have to go to sleep with. And what they found is that children that didn't, they would bring them in and they had this big box that had a clever little guy scientist back there and they say, could we replicate Mr. Binky? And the ones that were like, oh, not that attached to Mr. Binky, oh yeah, give me another one of those, right? But the ones that were super attached, mm -mm, I can't find Mr. Bear anywhere else. So the, the gateway, if you're looking for a really loving, long-term, lasting, committed relationship, is to get to know each other enough. And when people find an essence to that other person that they can't find elsewhere, that's when swipe left goes away. Because you could find somebody the same height, the same income, whatever it is, does Pilates. But if there's an essence, it's just the way, you know, they smile at you or the way they hum when they're, you know, when they're happy that you can't find elsewhere. That's the gateway. And I'm thinking that as we stop swiping left so much, we're going to be able to hear the heartbeats of each other's. And then we can get to that essence that says, hey, this is one I want a lasting relationship with. Yeah, I mean, I, I had a client who found somebody that she was really interested in and she was keeping her profiles and her options open. And I said, you're really interested in this person. You don't have to be committed for life, but don't you want to get to know him in a deeper way? Don't you want to see if there is potential for more because you found a connection and it's rare to find a connection. So dive a little deeper, see what's there. And then if that's not a possibility, you can always go somewhere else. But I think that we we always are like, well, but he didn't have exactly this thing that I was looking for. And I, and I love that you keep saying the essence because the essence is what matters. It's not the job, the look, the thing that you thought was important before, but tripped you up all the time because that, that type of yours has not worked. And it's when you really connect heart to heart, essence to essence, you feel seen and you feel fully cherished for who you are. That's that's where love is. That's a that's a treasurable moment, and that's the one we all want. See, the, the dating apps promote you know long long list compatibility list, and compatibility lists don't predict connection. There's research now to know that when couples use long compatibility, oh, we've got you know you do Pilates and you do you know you've read you know, this book and all that, right? That these same couples, when they break up, there's higher rates of prediction of, of breakups because they say, well, you know, we just didn't have the right values. The actual culprit was they didn't have the right, what you know, Gottman Research calls it marital friendship. It's the quality of the friendship, the connection, these four feelings. You know, I once worked with a a single woman, she came in the first session we worked in and she goes, I found Mr. Jackpot. And I'm always interested in Mr. Jackpot, especially the first <laughs> session when the picker hasn't changed, right? Right, right. <laughs> Before there, we've done any work, right? And I'm always <laughs> a little suspicious about Mr. Jackpot, right? Oh my God, Sandy, he was 6'3". 
and he wore Armani yeah. suits. He was a doctor. Can you believe it? He was a doctor, right? What and, kind of car? <laughs> and, oh, oh, and 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 he did Pilates. Can you believe that? He'd even read. He'd even read the Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. What a catch! Oh, yeah. Ding ding ding. <laughs> now this particular client didn't have a right to have her needs met. Didn't have more right to separate than belong. So didn't have a right to feel worthy. Didn't have a right to feel cherished. About five weeks later, she comes into the office. She goes, yeah, yeah, he likes Pilates, just so he can check out the women. <laughs> How cherished and protected was that? How worthy was that? She, you know, now flash forward after we do this work, and now she's got all four feelings. Do I? And she's running on that basis, not compoundability, but do I feel welcomed? And do I feel with joy? Do I feel worthy? Do I feel cherished? And do I feel empowered? She goes back out and guess what? Another Mr. Jackpot shows up. Pretty much the same thing, six, three expensive suits, except he's an attorney, right? <laughs> and uh, it's not Pilates, but something else he does. You know, I forgot what it is, right? And another guy shows up that uh, he's IT, uh, he's about 20 pounds overweight. He, he comes in wearing a Hawaiian t-shirt, <laughs> right? Uh, he makes good money, he's got a great smile. You know, I saw the pictures, he just looked like a wonderful guy. And then after about a month of dating both men, she goes, I chose the guy with the Hawaiian shirt. And I said, why? And she goes, because he made me feel like a queen. What is queen, but another term for cherished, empowered, worthy, especially those three. Feelings, when she started using feelings, that's the base of attachment. That's the point I'm making that our attachment are these four feelings that give us these rights and permission slips. And if you can isolate that in a relationship, Plus that essence and, and you, the ability to create a we, it's a, it, it's a go relationship. That's the formula for lasting. And we all deserve a lasting relationship. I agree. That's a great story. Well, Gary, another great conversation with you. This is such an important topic. I would love for you to share how people can find you. Well, you can find me at GarySawyer.com, G-A-R-Y-S-A-L-Y.com. And if you have any questions, you can email me there. There's a free gift there. You just scroll down. It's called Love, Love Inspirations. And it's got all sorts of two and four minute clips, right? For uh, both singles and couples. If you are a single woman, though, and you're tired of attracting the emotionally unavailable man, you know, the one that just, you know, like the ones we've been talking about, <laughs> that don't give you welcome, worthy, cherished, and empowered, if you go to GarySawyer.com, and it's just for single women, forward slash available, available like an available man, it's a free gift of seven videos that have some transformational exercises and a PDF on how to spot what signals they give out. And it's a little transformational journey to prepare your heart to go from constantly attracting the emotionally unavailable man to the emotionally available man. So there's two ones there. Anybody that's generic, go to couple or single, go to the GarySire.com. If you want, you're a single woman who really wants this transformational journey, just put forward slash available. And um, that's how you can reach me. And that's, that's what I can. And that's my gift to the world these days. I created it during COVID. 
I love it. It's uh, COVID has full is full of gifts, right? It it's is. Two more gifts, right? Uh, well, that's very generous, and I will definitely tell my clients and and my Facebook group to go over there because they all need some support, and most of them need some support in finding the available men. It's it's amazing how many women join my group, and the biggest challenge they have is attracting unavailable men. So, and I would uh, like to yeah. say real quick, those men will show up, they'll do the ghosting, they'll do the texting and never get back to you for a week, or they'll string you on for six weeks without meeting you. You know, don't let them stop you. Don't let them tell you you're unworthy, or you can't find a good man. They're going to show up. Just let them go and, and put your focus on the emotional available man. He'll show up. We're out here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't waste the energy on the wrong ones. Energy exactly. is priceless. Well, thank you so much, Gary. I really appreciate you and all the gifts you bring to the world. And thank you all for listening to our show today. And if you love our show, please rate and review us. It is so meaningful to the, the success of the show, the continued success of this eight-year running show. And we hope you go on your last first date very soon.